G'day everyone, my name is Tom Craig and you're listening to my podcast, The Help Side, where we speak to some of the most recognisable names in world hockey and get an insight into who they are, what they're about and what makes them tick. Now if you like what you hear, feel free to follow our socials at The Help Side on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'd absolutely love that. Welcome back to part B of The Help Side with Kieran Govers. Now, if you missed part A, go back and check it out. For this part, Kieran opens up about how he defined himself as a hockey player and what it's like to travel the world on the club circuit, getting paid to do what he loves. We also talk adversity, injuries, and retirement. You won't want to miss it. It's a goodie. Here it is, part B with Kieran Govers. Enjoy. Govers! Can you believe that goal? That is the most brilliant goal you may ever see. The overhead from Knowles has been tapped in by Govers. Reverse stick shot goes in. What a finish from Govers. Unreal. On the backhand, the top of Hawk's shot. Govers lifted into the sky by his teammates. What a cracker that was. It's glued to his stick. Feeds it back in. Well done to White. Forward now to Govers. They queue up the Australians. On the top of For an amateur sport, you've done incredibly well um, out of kind of building your brand and, and you're a very popular and recognisable figure in hockey. You've played hockey all over the world, but notably in Malaysia and, and India. Is it something that um, you worked really hard for? Is that something that you kind of nutted out at the start of your career thinking maybe I really want to kind of pursue this as an actual career? Because not many people have done it as well as you've done it. Yeah, the, the only thing I've failed in my career, well not failed, but I didn't get a chance to, was play EHL hockey. Yeah. I was just, when I was growing up, I was always on the froth and EHL, like that, the, if you go to EHL or whatever.com or .org, whatever, that the, the sound and the, their theme has been there for 20 odd years or 30 years probably, and that's all I wanted to play. Like, mm. um, but I was just, then again, as you said, like in the Rick era, I was just fortunate enough to play in such a, a dominant um, phase and in uh, in hockey that there was opportunities as well come come about like the HIO come about and and that went on. Then um, then you get contracts in Europe that you, wherever in the world that they're available. Then then stuff in Malaysia, but it's not. Growing up is not something I, I thought I might do. Like I just wanted to play NHL hockey, and that was it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it, it didn't didn't pan out the way I wanted. But in saying that, going go and chase contracts and all that, it's you, you can go chase them, but then it's it's more they come they come to you by word of mouth. And it's it's the connections and the friendships you make throughout the hockey world that get you those contracts. It's like. Uh, some Joe Blow from the club wants a striker that can flick oh yeah I'm good mates with Kieran Rold to send him a text or something then you never know that could be like 10,000 euro 20,000 euro that you're not going to get and you just bang it's, there's an offer on the table so um, yeah unfortunate it's hockey's gone the way it has and there's no HIL anymore and I'm lucky enough to play with play in Malaysia like Davey Hart got me the got me the gig basically and I've been fortunate enough to go over there the last three years and and um, and play sort of 
finished my career there and mm. I played three years at Holland for their boss and mm. um, yeah, great club and yeah, loved living living over there and if I could I probably maybe would have stayed a couple more years but it's sort of the t- it was the time in my my life that um, hockey wasn't a priority anymore and and uh, I, I came home and started a family. Even though it's not soccer money, you're still playing for money at a club and they're paying you for, for your service. Does that ever change the way you play or does it change the way you approach the game or anything? Uh, probably, it probably makes you play like wanting to win more because that's just your job. Like You can do whatever you want during the week. Like As people know, Europe's so small. Like One day you can go be in Belgium, the next day you can be in France, the next day you can be like Spain, whatever. So it's it's got a like it opens up like Pandora's box basically, and and um, you're there just purely to do your job, like people do accounting or whatever. And we just play hockey on a Sunday at two forty-five, and that's all you need to do. So and I was sure Baran, the Indian women's coach, just said, "I don't care what you do during the week, just make sure you fit on a Sunday, Arvo." So and maybe I took took it a little out of context a few times, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just because it's just another bro code over there. It's just like you with the cookies, you just want to do your best. And, and obviously, there's a little bit of pressure because you're the foreigner, you're getting paid probably good, well, depending on who you are, you get paid good money and you just want to win. You don't want to fail and let your boys down. So, yeah, okay. Um, as a player, there's a few things, a few words that kind of spring to mind when um, people talk about Kieran Govers, they talk about the famous no goal, goal call um, in Belgium where. where you went straight to the umpire and said, no, nah, hit mine or Blake's foot. I can't really remember. That's not, that's not a goal. And then Belgium got the free hit out. And um, I guess honesty and like you wear your heart on your sleeve, you often say that. Um, you're an honest and very passionate hockey player. Is that something that you've kind of, when you started, you were like, that's my hockey identity. That's who I am. That's what I want to be. Or how, how did that all kind of come about? Yeah, it's sort of... I probably matured into that. Um, yeah, I was a little cheeky brat, I guess, back in the day and, and thought me shit didn't stink, to be honest, when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, I sort of wanted to... Like they, they say leave the shirt in a better place, but I wanted to leave my name within that shirt in a better place, the way I, I acted and, and presented myself. Um, and yeah, and that and that's just how I played. I like I didn't. There's no there's no point to cheat. You just get caught out, especially with these days with the video umpire and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I just wanted yeah to be to be the dude that yeah, you bashed on the field, but had a beer off. Um, yeah, you're honest, hardworking, um, loyal, and 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 see it and you say it. So that's probably got me in trouble a few times within probably the group and stuff but um if i didn't it, i wouldn't be me uh, yeah if i don't if i didn't call someone up for not running around the line or something like that yeah and if i did it would have bugged me sort of thing so it's not just just me it's just helping them be better which helps the team in the end so there's a there's one goal and that's to win how, how you win that's the different avenues everyone takes and you want to you want to join into the freeway into the into the right path i guess so yeah okay um and as i mentioned before you you're a very popular 
hockey player um, you've got a great following on social media and all these sorts of things and you're posting a lot of highlight videos and um, how-to videos and you obviously love the game of hockey and love kind of spreading it and promoting it um, and a lot of people look up to you as well I know that for a fact um, people really admire you as an athlete how do you deal with something like that because it's not like as hockey players we're famous but um, if anyone's kind of bordering along that it would probably be you is that something you think about or how do you how do you deal with that Honestly, when I was coming through, yeah, I just wanted to get as many followers and like I want to be up there, but uh, it's just one of those things. Social media just grew within time I was in with the kookaburras and stuff. So, and I sort of, not not sold myself, but within trying to promote yourself with the sponsors and all that, you, you had to in the end. Um, some guys don't like to do it and I do it because I like to help other other companies and, and, and whatever it is to to join forces and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just me in a nutshell and I'd rather put a hundred videos up on how to trap a hockey ball than do air drags and jig like like I just want the sport to, to grow and, and and be better than it is because I look like at, at some great hockeys and People, it's no fault of their own that they can't track or hit a ball. And it's like, but they don't get taught that. They get taught to how to air drag and undercut the ball over the goal and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, like, like it does. Sometimes they get frustrated because on my videos and stuff, people, oh, that's easy. I'm like, well, yeah, you go hit a ball in the corner 10 times and see how easy it is. It's sort of, it's, yeah, it's not as easy as it looks because it's just repetition and you need to have the basic skill to, to be able to do it. And, and like seriously, like oh, I can say that I went through the kookaburras and some of my teammates couldn't even hit a ball. Mm. It's like you play for Australia, man. You, you <laughs> don't need ball, like. And, but that, and that's that's just it because they weren't taught when they were younger. They had other skills that ex- that they excelled in, and they were able to sort of hide. But then at the top level, you can't hide anywhere, as you know. And, and that's sort of my passion because like I, I went to like I went to India last year with POS or the year yeah, last year or whenever it was and that's all I did with the Indian strikers like taught them how to hit trap like on the move deflect and it's like Jesus like you're so bloody good but just do this like properly like so and that's that's how I sort of want to that's why I'm back in the game sort of coaching and still hobbling around playing because I want to want to better people and and that's how I'll do it if I do it via social media then I try and react and, and reply to as much as I can, but it's sometimes you do get overwhelmed. So. Yeah, coaching is definitely a big part of, um, of you. I know you had governors coaching for for a while and still do. Or... Yeah, well, yeah, not so much anymore because the other stuff in my life's taken over, but the opportunity comes, I'll, I'll go yeah, coach other places and stuff. I've had a few in the pipeline, which has obviously fallen through with COVID, like with some national teams and stuff, so... There's, there's promise out there, but um, yeah, see we'll see where it goes, I guess. But priorities, yeah, family and, and work life now. So yeah, okay. I want to jump back to 2014 um, because that was a that was an unbelievable tournament. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about that team, what made it so good, and I want to talk about again the one of the most famous goals I'd say probably played highlight yeah. on YouTube um, against GB. I'm pretty sure it was. Yep. Yeah, in the in the round game, I think it was. Um, yeah, about the goal, it was sort of... Because I got... I think, I, don't, I can't remember who we were playing, maybe Spain the game before. 
and I got absolutely roasted in the team. Like you, one thing in a team meeting, if if you want a piece of advice, you do not want to be in a, in a clip. That's <laughs> that's one thing. You, the, because I tell you, like there'll be the clips about this, but people look to see whether they're in the clip first. <laughs> and um, the worst thing was, like I was prime time center of this clip. And I think it was Rob smashed the ball through the. I don't know, 30, 40 metres out and it went past the far post and I was already walking off for half time because there's only like a couple, like couple seconds left. And I got ripped a new one by uh, Rick in the team meeting. You keep playing until that whistle went, blah, blah, I was like, <laughs> then, um, But then, yeah, because I was speaking to Henry Weir um, a couple of weeks ago about it as well and, and that, so GT and I were called like Bash Brothers, B1, B2, and like sort of we normally played sort of majority of our hockey together like on the pitch and I remember like I didn't really I didn't really see Nolsey had the ball and someone was pushing GT so I was like I'm gonna go and hit this guy too so then I just I was walking up then all of a sudden I just see Nolsey like finish his overhead like technique and I was like oh no and I'm just like I'm just hot-tailed back and like lucky Henry could sort of come with me and didn't follow me back and yeah and then um yeah just tapped it in between the uh in the like in between my hands or something, and I went to the goal, and then I went over and jumped on Devo. So it sort of <laughs> that's how it sort of panned out because I wanted to go hit one of those GB plays. So then um, yeah, then it turned out into a, like a goal that's been played over YouTube over and over again. So good. One of the um, I know when I when I came in, I was told that you were told to stop Jimmy. You had to stop lifting because you were lifting some pretty crazy weights, and I know GT was something similar. Who lifted more out of you two? And how much, what are we talking here? Because you guys are pretty big fellas. When you talk about the Bash Brothers, was that off the field as well? Or what's yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can't swing a punch to say. <laughs> yeah, I can cop one, but um, yeah, like growing up, like I was, like I, was, I first started with T-Dubs when we came through Answers at Tristan White. Um, just went to URAC a fair, fair bit together, then moved to Perth and yeah, got with GT and yeah, we were just, we were just smashing it. Then, I started because I put on like eight kilos or something over the off season. That's when I got my sleeve tattoo and like I thought I was like red hot here. <laughs> and um, then I tried to then I tried to run and I just got stress fractures within like four weeks because I was too top heavy. And um, yeah, I think yeah, he, he, GT in his prime he would have got me easy. Um, but I think in Perth I held it for a while like 130 kilos one RM. Mm. But then it sort of shot me in the foot. I tried to do that again the other year and tore the peck off me. Man. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, we were just like, yeah, yeah, like, there's always a saying, like, like when we're getting marked off, it's not you, it's GT, it's not GT, like, sort of thing. So it's sort of like, you're already in the head already. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. That, was the, that was a good thing. And, and yeah, because then you had to sort of back Jamie up as well, because he was like a little little yeah, known yeah. compared to some of the other, <laughs> other dudes. So, um, he just ran between the legs. So. <laughs> But, um, so that was how you yeah. played physical. You and G would would try and beat up defense, really. Yeah, just like just muscle them out because like before the video ref, like the Germans would like they stand behind you and put their stick like around you and like like bring you in, like just like like bear hug you with their yeah, stick. Yeah, 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 you yeah. can't you can't go anywhere and trying to talk to umpires like yeah talking to no one. So I was sort of like yeah, but then 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 Asics brought out these like. Um, I think uh, before the typhoons there was like some plastic cleats I think they were the golds or whatever 
and like they hurt when they stood on their foot so it's like if they did that i just stand on their foot and just ran away so i was sort of a little bit of a prick to be honest like to be marked but but that's how i got in the game like that's how you get the ball like you don't want to be contesting a ball you sort of want to muscle off and bump him out and get a get a bit of distance so it's sort of yeah so that's how we sort of played our our game like yeah you sort of try to intimidate the other team that mm. you, you won nil already, I guess. So. Yeah, and you were pretty intimidating, I reckon. In two thousand fourteen, your team was red hot. Did you always feel good going into that tournament? Yeah, yeah. So sort of, yeah, everything was just clicking, eh? Like, um, yeah, preparation was good. Um, there was a little bit of a hiccup with Moose. I think he did his MCL, um, maybe six weeks out, and uh, there was yeah, if he whether he was going to go, but he, he come good. Um, Played New Zealand in Perth, all, all went well. Everyone sort of ticked boxes and, and got through that. Then, unfortunate when we when we finally went to to London, we played GB in a pracky match in Bishop Abbey, and um, Simo like went went for a tackle or whatever, like free hit against him. Then he was sort of like what happened to me in two thousand twelve, sort of just like jogging back, not like didn't think anything of it. And, I think it was Baz Middleton just wham, just smacked a ball and straight into Simo's foot, broke his foot. And that was like maybe two weeks before the tournament. Then, so he was out. Then, um, so we took uh, Devo and Gozi as reserves, so they missed out, but um, I, don't, I don't, can't, can't tell you who came in first because I can't remember. Then, I think it was like three days before we play or five days before our first game. We played Germany in a, a practice match, like just half a game. Then Rusty just went to like chink a ball up the sideline, bang, popped his scarf. So he, he was gone. So like obviously they're cousins. So yeah, they were they were out. So it's sort of pretty pretty devastating for them. Then obviously Devo and, and Gozi come in. So sort of it's probably lucky that we were so tight as a unit that sort of nothing really changed. Um, Simo and Rusty did like yeah. They were, they were just like top blokes with how it all panned out and, and what they went through. So um, Rusty and Simo stayed around Europe and stuff. Um, then obviously caught, caught us up on the, on the last night after the final. But yeah, everything just clicked A. Eh? Like, um, I did, like through the tournament, I, I didn't feel that we were going to lose a game. That's how, that's how much like we were in sync and basic skills and everything was just coming off A. Eh? Whatever we wanted to do was... It was just like like a tea. So um, yeah, I still remember. I was I was just about to sub on when um, Jay scored the scored the tomahawk in the final, and I was like, eh, whatever. Like like you know how when someone scores, you're like, oh man, like now we need to work hard, get back. But it's just like the vibe around, like, yeah, whatever. They scored, yeah, so what? Mm. There's like 17,000 people screaming, the roost nearly tearing off the soccer stadium. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that's like that's probably the mentality we had. Like we knew, like we we're probably going to have him anyway. But just the, how we played, I think there was every game except the final. We scored the first five minutes. So because the way we played, the the results and the stats showed that we'll have two or three shots within five minutes or a corner. So we had to, if we capitalise on that, then that means yeah. We're, the trains rolling and you ain't stopping us so yeah. yeah yeah and there's great footage I think it was in the final of you scoring a goal I think the first goal was that? Uh, second big dog scored a flick yep yeah then uh, I scored the 
think about 10 to go in the first half, which, so they scored, then we ran down maybe five minutes later, and big dogs scored, and that sort of, then they just dropped from there, and oh yeah, I just pounced on a loose ball, then yeah, hit it in, and, and that sort of- Smoked it. Yeah, going, in, going into half time, it. yeah. So that was sort of another thing, like, yeah, like a little long corner, I think Weddy took it, passed it to Moose, GT missed it, and just popped there, so I just went, yeah, smashed it, so mm. it went in the goal, luckily. So that's yeah, then we just rolled on from there at half time and we just came out and went bang like big dogs flicking quick, deceptive and yeah, we just went bang bang from there. So And there was um after you scored that goal there was footage of you, I think, kissing your bicep. Um is that something that you'd you'd mind sharing? Why why do you do that after you score? Yeah, so so that was sort of I don't know when I started. I did it in, in Olympics when I scored the goal against Germany. But then I started just, just doing it out after every goal I scored because um, sort of like I've got, my two cousins were murdered when I was younger in New Zealand. So I sort of, I got their, their tombstone um, tattooed on my arm with some um, rosebuds and stuff. So I sort of um, hits home that like, it can be all over tomorrow. Um, and I'm, I'm not, not doing it just for my family, I'm doing it for the broader of my um, my family, I guess, and and yeah, as you say, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and, and they, yeah, I didn't get to spend much time with them, so I just sort of, yeah, every everything I sort of did was was for them, and not only for them but for my family as well. So they sort of know that, yeah, when I do something like cool or good, like it's always going to be remembered through family-wise. So yeah, yeah and that's just um, how it was. I add on, I add on to it. Um, after a loss or, or whatever with, with within the family, so it's sort of yeah, it's it's pretty special with all the roses and, and the writing on my on my bicep. Yeah. That's um that's pretty that's pretty amazing. It's time for the Hero of Hockey segment and we are quietly stoked about how much response we've been receiving. If you haven't nominated someone, it's easy. Check out our socials for how to do it and both you and your nominee are up for a sweet prize courtesy of our great friends over at Voodoo Hockey, who I might add are absolute legends. Now, today's Hero of Hockey is Seb Foster. Thank you very much, Harry, for the nomination. Harry writes, Seb is all about hockey. He's always out watching all the senior teams playing on the day before the game he's involved with. He coaches, he umpires, he plays in three different teams himself, not to mention the countless hours he spends helping out around the club. Seb is always there if Harry ever needs tips, and he's always happy to help in developing Harry's game. He's a very deserving member of recognition for all the volunteering and help he provides around the club that goes unnoticed. We agree, Harry. Seb, thanks for all you do, mate. You're this week's hero of hockey, and you're in the draw to win a Voodoo prize pack worth up to 600 Aussie dollars. Good luck. We're gonna move on to, to injuries because after the 2000, you've had a fair run of injuries, especially before um, that with your hip surgeries and, and all that. But after 2014 was a pretty tough period for you um, with your hamstrings. I remember watching um, we were all kind of warming up, I think, before an intra-squad game in 2016. And you had just, I don't know what rehab it was, I don't know how many times, but it was the last kind of set. And kind of to, to 
to put you to to a T, I guess. Yeah. It was an extra. Um, you didn't have to do that extra set of running, but I think just that's who you are. You wanted to do extra, you wanted to do more, and did you have me? And I think our SNC coach Brendan Appleby took it very hard. But I think all the boys just before the game, that was so deflated. That was one of the most deflating moments in my career, for sure. Just the pain. But do you mind talking about 2015, 16 and, and, the, and the injuries? Yeah, so after when commies, we finished commies late August or whenever it was, I went, went under for my third hip, hip operation. Um, then come back all good from that. Then in 15... Yeah, I've just I just had like a few niggles here and there and then playing club hockey I um I yeah, basically ran into the wall of Melville. I was just chasing an overhead like flat stick and went to cross it. Then I sort of did something to my shoulder, so I did I did my AC joint on my shoulder, so um so fifteen was yeah, I don't I maybe played five games I reckon. Not I can't like to be honest, I can't remember what I went what tour I went or whatever I did. Um oh sorry, I went to World League at the end. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, so I went I did it at finals just before finals in Perth got through World League I was having a local every game then um, yeah got operated on in the December then came back in January um, yeah sort of the other, the other thing about it was uh, we had decided I had a meeting with good um, Poss and Gooders that I wouldn't go to Hockey Indy League just to to give the body a rest, the hip, like the hip, the hammies, and obviously I would have been fine to go play with my shoulder because it would have been healed by then. But just to get me to the Rio sort of tournament, mm. that's that's what we decided. So that was probably another hard thing as well, taking a fifty grand hit in the pocket, um, not being able to go. But yeah, man, it's sort of yeah. I can't. I'm just trying to think how it started. Um, oh yeah, that's right. It was. It was. I didn't. I didn't go to HIL. So then there was myself, TJ, and maybe I was another. There and Belty, actually, we were yeah. all there. I think over in uh, UWA. Yeah, we're doing one seventy fives. Running laps. Yeah, and um, yeah. Then we're like Friday, last one. We're gonna we're gonna hit turbos now. Then within thirty meters, I reckon, just pop. Hmm. Yeah. Then like you just like yeah, it's not not that bad, but. Then you're like, oh, it's done again. So it's sort of like that. That was sort of the start of the, of the down downward spiral of 2016. To be honest, um, because sort of I knew then, then it put you back. Like say, especially with mine. Like say, it would have been. I think it could have been like my 12th or 11th or whatever it was back then. Then they were always cautious with my hammy. So then, if it say it was a grade one three weeks then you go five weeks six weeks so then you you bite into the time that you need for for the preparation so sort of we, we didn't we didn't push the the rehab but we just we gradually went but it's sort of like it wasn't wasn't getting any better then like i i, I did it then we're doing rehab then i did it so then i was doing some rehab and like running along the sideline i'm like oh BA and, and Mickey it's super tight so I'll go to the gym and do, we'll do some gym but no worries so I tore it on a one plate hammy curl so then rehabbed it and I tore it again playing club hockey I got, got back playing club hockey tore it again then I tore it again doing something 
Then the fifth one was um, that one doing the before the end of squad. That so that was my final set before I was going back to training. So yeah, I think it was like just it, it just mentally draining. Then you just hit a point. You're like, I think I just yeah. I can still remember it was down, not like not the scoreboard in near the offices, and I just like I went ballistic. I, was, I just swore my head off. A few boys ran out to me, and I can all I saw was BA fling the bloody, <laughs> bloody car through the air. He stormed up the thing, like disappointed. I just went in the change rooms. Then, um, yeah, that, that was sort of Champions Trophy's sort of selection gone. So that was sort of probably my last. I don't know, um, what do you call, fight for a selection for a spot, mm. because I know that, I, 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 basically in the end I was relying off what I had done previously, 14, I didn't do much 15 because I was injured, and then, and then I, we came to a decision that I, I'd go to Melbourne and live um, with uh, a top sports doctor down there called Peter Bruckner, so I was like, Rehabbing needles, like do, I was doing everything. I was doing something once a day. I was doing like when I first got there, I had an epidural in my back, so I had to lay flat for three days to just unblock the nervous system and or whatever it, and all that sort of stuff does. Um, got back, so then we knew we were pushing it. So that was my fifth hammy tear. So we were pushing it. So I had to cram probably seven weeks into four weeks in the rehab. Um, feeling good, um, ticked every box that come at me, missed um, Champions Trophy selection, which is probably kicking the guts because I knew that right now I'm going to rely on my, my past. Um, come back, um, had to do fitness testing, drag flicking, train, tick, 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 done, done whatever I needed to do. Then, yeah, then right I was like, Shit, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it here, like. So because I like, because I was probably fifty fifty when I was in Melbourne, right? I like, I, I don't know how they're gonna swing, but then I got back to Perth and sort of like 60, 70, 70 30 like I'm, I'm, I'm shooing here, like if they pick the team. I think it was the twenty sixth of June. I'm pretty sure twenty sixth, twenty seventh of June. I still remember. Then um, right from that day, still three weeks or whatever it was until give yourself an extra little bit of extra time and then um, obviously I, I opted not to have a phone call and I just received the email and and didn't go my way and I was just like oh man like, like, I, like I still remember the day I wake up like I was just shaking I couldn't believe it like like my name's not there but so sort of probably rewinding just before the selection I messaged Blake and said yeah if there's a governor's name I, if there's one governor's name I hope it's yours because I sort of, sort of knew we will fight for a spot um, together. Because he was striker, I'll strike, and flicker, he's flicker, whatever. So I knew that if it come down to it, it'd probably come down to probably two governors, one one spot basically. And however, 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 it panned out, didn't go my way, and um, yeah, I went on a like went on a bender for about three four days. So Tyler and that sort of joined me for a little bit. <laughs> And like seriously, like to this day, you can ask Mitz. He was at work, like so. I just had all the boys over, had a barbie and that. I was standing there cooking the barbie. Then I'm like, like I grabbed my hammy, and I was like, boys, I think I've done my hammy. 
like cooking a barbecue. <laughs> and they're like, no, don't be stupid. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've heard. I'm like, I think I've done my hammy. And like, like I don't know how to do a test on that mm. by then. I'm like, but I've done my hammy. And it's like, no, they haven't. And I'm like, so then I'm like, oh, I haven't, right? So then I went back training. So I trained the next, so you had a couple of days off when mm. it was with selections. And went back training. And I'm like, super tired, but no, it's going all right, going all right. And then I went to do like a, I received the ball down the line and went to chip and chase the horse to go get in. Just went ping, like six hammies in three weeks, or like four weeks or whatever. And I just got my stick and smashed it against the goal on the sideline. And that sort of, that sort of like summed up Rio in a nutshell, I reckon, because when I had my non-selection meeting, they, they asked whether I want to be a reserve or not. It was sort of like, I'm not going to another one. Like this was, go to this one, I'm kaput. So it's sort of like, no, I don't want to. Like, but then right over, like, they said, I'll oh, just sleep on it or like give it a couple of days and stuff. I said, okay, whatever. But highly likely just give it to someone that's going to go to the next one and experience what it was, lucky, lucky enough you, you were able to get one of the spots. And it's sort of like, I don't, I don't need to go to Rio just to say I went to a, like another Olympic village or whatever it is. So it's sort of, that's not what I wanted to do. So I sort of, um, yeah, that's sort of how it was. Um, going, yeah, going back into it, do I accept it? Do I, oh, sorry, do I agree with it? No, I don't. Um, no, I had a feeling that might come up in the interview, but um, the way I look at it is that I was never going to win the team a gold medal. Um, my experience might have helped within situations within a game, game or anything, but um, would I have been fit enough? Personally, if I was able to go that extra three, three weeks to to day dot of the first game, probably, but the lead up wasn't, wasn't, wasn't ideal, but the thing was because I ticked every box I had to tick. So I'm like, oh yeah, not a shoe in, but like I'm, I'm good here because it's sort of like, it was sort of another kick in the guts because I was, I was vice captain of the team and you're not safe at any means, but you're sort of like, Right, I walk in like you, you. do a whole build up of a whole year. So Nolsey was captain, myself and Moose was vice, and then we had a couple of other other leadership sort of good uh, guys. But then it's sort of like you go from vice captain in a team in December to not even making it like the top sixteen in in whatever like in June. You're like, what? Like what went wrong? How how pension did it go? Like. They can't just say, yeah, your injuries. Like, I was just like, yeah, whatever. It's just like, like in the end, like, I hate, like, hate, hate, hate's a, hate's a big word. So, like, but I disliked the coaching staff or, or the, the staff in general of, like, how it all, all went down because it wasn't false hopes. Maybe I thought it might have been, like, false promises because in the end they just said, yeah, you're not good enough. It's like, oh. What do you mean I'm not good enough? Like I've done, like whatever I needed to do. It's sort of like, it's like, am I like really listening to this? And sort of like, I sort of dwelled on it. Like what it like, you got you got to accept it in the end because that's the way they want to go with the team, and that's what they think they're going to win the gold. So it's like, at the time, it's yeah, you think it's bullshit, but 
um, yeah, then I sort of had my, had my own time and went home, home for a little bit, then had to go see um, a psych because yeah, I wasn't really coping. Um, yeah, and, and she, uh, she like from a lady from M Swiss, and her biggest things were that just yeah to look at that other people might have thought you were the best sixteen, but the people that mattered didn't think you were good enough. Well, didn't put you in the team, so sort of you had to accept it, even though you you didn't think it was the right choice. Yeah, so be it, whatever happened. Then you got to accept it. You got to have your time to grieve, and you got to move on, and you got to then then I put it in a little one. You got to prove wrong. So that's sort of sort of how I sort of dealt with it. Um, obviously, then I flew back to Perth and and decided with with Poss and Gooders that. It was probably the right time for myself to escape the environment within Perth and and go mentally recharge and, and whatever happens happens um, in, in the near future. So yeah, came to Perth, moved all my stuff back to New South, drove my Ute home, then um, then I took off to Europe. So that's probably um, the blessing in disguise, I think, because I was I was out of out of everything. Um, yeah, I didn't watch, I think I made it watch maybe 20 minutes of the whole Olympics of the boys. Um, do I say bittersweet? Yes and no, because like I thought I should have been there and, um, but then it's like, you feel bad because the boys went so bad and they're your best mates and you know what they can do and whatever, whatever was dished out in the field is, is not a, um, it's not what, what they can do. So it's, it was pretty pretty disappointed in that aspect for the boys. Then, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to come back. Um, yeah, Poss went, went his own way. Um, and then Gooders took over. And um, I came back uh, in December, I think it was, for the Festival of Hockey Summer Melbourne. And that's, yeah, sort of, yeah, if I didn't go to Europe, it would have been pretty tough to, to move on from that. But clear head, clear space, came back and, and yeah, felt the love for it again. Mm-hmm. And you spent probably what, a year, you spent a bit of time away. Why, why did you come back? Why did you decide? Because that, that two years prior to that was like, I'm, I'm just, I would say that it, it sounds like it's some of the toughest of your career. Like, Without a doubt, the, the sixteen, the hardest years. Yeah, that was. Career. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was crap to be honest. Like, because you work so hard. Because I just had my mindset right. I'm going to get revenge in Rio on these on these bastards, basically. And for that to be taken away, probably under the circumstances it did. Like, because I still like I still like I still don't don't understand from vice captain to mm. completely out. Like, it's, like it's not that. I was playing bad, it might have been, yeah, injuries or whatever, but then it comes back to, I ticked every box I needed to do, and, and whatever happened, happened, but, um, yeah, I've mended some friendships within within that time, and, yeah, and, and so be it's, it's, it's history now, and um, I'm a bigger bloke for it, and I, I respect what happened, and, and, and that's it, and, and probably coming, coming back, um, I, I had unfinished business to be honest like 
sort of like I came back in, got reselected in uh, in the sixteen. Then Batchy come on, and um, and basically like dropped six of us, seven of us, and I was one of them, unfortunately. Um, and just said, yeah, he's going his own way and and bringing youth and whatever he wants to bring in. So I was sort of like, Jesus, what, like, what is happening? Like, I still couldn't believe it. I was like, this, this is bullshit. Like, so, but yeah, it is what it is. And um, yeah, then I had that sort of hiatus, like um, went to Europe, enjoyed, finished the season over there and then came back and had a sort of a year, year just, just chill, like it was sort of a gap year, doing nothing, just playing hockey here at Southo and yeah, came up like, went to New South for the last AHL and stuff like that and um, and, and that's what it is and, and then yeah, and, and lucky enough, got recalled for a little short stint in 2018 or whatever it was there, <laughs> can't even remember so. Why, did you, did you ever think about not coming back in the 18? Now I always wanted it because I hadn't, they say you go out on your own terms, which some people do, some people don't. Like I, like it didn't bother me whatever way I went out, but because I still thought I was good enough and I was still playing some, like, to be honest, some half decent hockey. Um, body was still in good shape because, yeah, obviously over in Perth, you train a lot more than what you do when you're interstate or overseas or whatever, so that probably gap year gave me another year at the, at the back end. Then probably, yeah, coming back into it, like obviously batching, that gave me another lifeline to come back in. But then it's just, yeah, it was, it was a little bit different. It's sort of new sort of ways, I guess, like from the traditional way I knew back in the, like from when I first debuted to, to when Batchy uh, dropped me. Um, yeah, sort of like you guys had the seventeen and whole of eighteen basically to to do what you did, and and it's one of those things you can't you can't play catch up in two years. Um, I try my best, but at the end of the day, the um, the things that were were going to be asked of me, I, I I couldn't commit to. Like Batchy asked me, I think four times to move back to Perth. I couldn't. I had my uh, my family here, and my wife's got her kids, and we. we it was just logistically, it was it was a nightmare. Like mm. we tried, I tried to bring them over for like a VAA and stuff like that, but then it's like you're too distracted to to sort them out, and then come to like. But um, yeah. Then then in the end, obviously not training at that high level that you are, then I couldn't get to Sydney all the time, and and. To be honest, it was, it was pretty disappointing because I thought I, I could I could keep going, but um, yeah, Batchy was was really good. Like I, I went to Darwin, played in eighteen, and yeah, I was okay. Not 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 what I, what I could have shown, and and probably the downside is like people think of what 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 Gubbers did in his in his past, like. Obviously, things change. You get older and, and that sort of thing. So, um, but um, he, he was he was open and honest and, and just said that I'm not in his future plans. Um, and, yeah, it's if I want to wait until the squad comes out or, or announce my retirement 
um, after, or like obviously this was after Darwin. Mm. Um, yeah, and obviously I, I accepted that, and and I, I majorly respect that he gave me the opportunity to do that because um, yeah, you do finish on your own terms, but it's from a decision by the coach, and and the biggest thing, like I. Um, I hold high in regard is that I got an op- another opportunity. Like I was just, you probably asked him like how many emails did I sent, how many texts did I send him. Like it's probably like just how can I block this dude's number? <laughs> like, but then uh, we obviously we had our disagreements throughout that that period. I was I was away because I was like, what do you mean I'm not in your squad? Like you said, you uh, I'll be up for selection and, and stuff like that. But um, looking back at now, there's no way I could have went another two years from 18 to 20. Like. Yeah, like in, in like as I said, in that little bubble, you think yeah, young, young, you're invincible, and you can do whatever you want. But the way you like the way you boys are required to train, like even now, like it's probably the same or maybe a little bit more to what we like. We trained our asses off back in the day, but like there's only a certain period of time that you can you can do it for. And obviously, myself with the issues I've had, um, looking back at now, it's sort of like yeah, you wish you played hundred like. 20, 50 more games or whatever, but um, you make the most of, you're in the now. Um, and yeah, I was more than happy to retire when I did. Um, and that's when, when I sent that message in the, in the group and, and sort of that was, that was my way out. You gotta, you gotta make your caps count, you don't count your caps. So um, yeah, for, probably from the outside because people are like, oh, this dude's that dog. I've never heard of this dude. Where's this guy come from? And because people think, oh, they're just really nearly chucking, chucking shirts out wherever, but um, but you, you soon get realised once you're in the group, you, yeah, you are, you actually you, you just you chucked in and you sink or swim basically, just like in everything, and um, yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. Like I just wish boys would would take that on board, and, and hopefully they do because um, yeah, through injury, I reckon I missed. Uh, if, I, if I counted them, I reckon I missed nearly 150 games. But yeah, that puts me up to 250 player. But it doesn't matter. Like I've excelled in 126 games, and and I hold my head high. And yeah, it doesn't matter how many. Like all that counts is your your mateship at the end of it, and yeah, who who you still talk to, and like it's not only within Australia, around the world, and and you look at your trophy cabinet. To be honest, and and that's it. So. Bloody good answer. I um I remember when that text came through. It was definitely the end of the year. I reckon there are a lot of guys who were pretty pretty saddened by it. I reckon. And as I said, like when I came in, you were the um one of the top dogs, and as you said, vice captain, and really kind of demonstrated how to train and how to be a cookbar. I really mean that. And I reckon all all guys, especially my era, coming through saw that. Um, and that was definitely a sad day when you sent through that text. Um, anyway, I'm running out of time, and I know that you got to you got to get outside and coach oh, the, right. coach yeah. the boys. But I got um, one more question for you, and then we're going to go into some some quick questions, questions that I do just like best you played against and with, and that sort of thing. But before we get onto that, um, you've played a lot of places all over the world. You're a passionate Southern hockey man. I remember probably one of the best performances anyone's ever played against me was in a semi final at Olympic Park when I think you scored four goals. <laughs> that one hurt <laughs> but um, seeing hockey all over the world what's what's it 
got to take an Australia and Sydney to kind of get hockey up to the level that it is in Europe, in your opinion? Um, probably the mentality of you need to earn it, like, um, and you need to be helpful, like, and so the, big, the biggest thing about me taking over this role at Sado is I'm here to develop. Like, we've, lot, we've lost a lot of experienced players, and I just said to the club, we're going to take a hit. Like, if we don't make grand final or top three or top four or whatever, so be it. But we need to promote the juniors and stuff. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing down here as well. We're trying to, we've taken a hit and it's just, just comes in cycles. Like, yeah, you might lose players and there might be a gap of five years or whatever, but you need to, within that five years, you need to promote the, like, the junior guys. And obviously there's not, there's not much money in hockey, so sort of what we can do to sustain hockey um, is a big thing because overseas it's like they don't fight against AFL, footy, soccer, like cricket, and like in Holland, like it's soccer and hockey. Then the bet, like then they're sponsored by banks and all that. But I think it's not a war against each state. It's like, how, how can we combine and make Australia great? Not just, yeah, we're gonna smash these guys, smash them. Like you want, like when you play like open New South Wales, like, yeah, you wanna smash them, but then it's like, you wanna promote what's gonna be the next, the next things. So that's probably coming back to what Hockey Australia did with Tonks and that, just getting you guys out involved in the communities and, and that sort of thing. And, and the biggest thing is that we tried to push when we were playing, like we, we want to go play in country areas. Like that's, it brings in money for, for them, for us. Um, yeah, we showcase on a, on a stage within a little community and stuff. So then people then know, oh, I haven't watched hockey before, I might go watch this and that sort of thing. So that's sort of, the, the next, the future is your, is your crop coming through. So if you don't worry about them, you're then you're, then you're already five years behind the eight ball. So that's sort of why a big thing is, that's why I'm, I'm massive on just trapping and passing a hockey ball. Like if you can't do that, you can't play hockey. As Rick said, if you could train one <coughs> hockey ball, you would, but you can't, no one's perfect. Mm. Mm. I remember you coached us in under 15s. I think I was 13 at the time. Yeah. I remember a classic story is my, my folks, I hope they hear this, my folks weren't there for the tournament and I didn't have anyone Little old man didn't have anyone to take a photo with me with the trophy on the last night, and and you did. And I remember looking up to you then, and I know a lot of a lot of kids have done that long way. So well done on being a great servant. Thanks, Again, it's bloody awesome. We need more yeah. like you. Couple of quick questions, just while we wrap up and you get those hammies warmed up for the session. Uh, first one: Who's the best player you've ever played with? Uh, I'll go to. I have to go to. Has to be Nolsey and Jamie, for sure. Yeah, they'd be roomies as well. Yeah. But GT's my roomie as well, but he stole some goals off me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jamie, Jamie, just because I looked up to him, and Nolsey, just the way he just is, like, mentor, like, even though he's one of my best mates, like, you still go to him for advice and everything. So, yeah, just, he, like, he, he puts team before anything. So, yeah, and how he deals with his family and same as Jimbo like how they balance family out yeah I really look up to those guys as well cool best player you've ever played against uh, probably first Rahalka I reckon he 
Yeah, they're, they're pretty silky. Yeah, they're a pain in the ass to play against, to be honest. I told him the other day as well. <laughs> just <laughs> too smooth. Yeah, yeah, just too good. Yeah. Uh, Favourite hockey memory? Probably looking up at my family when I was debuting. Yeah, it's uh, good. Where was that? Hobart. In Hobart, and they're yeah. up there in the crowd. Yeah. Special. Yeah, it was special. But his dad doesn't get around that much, so it's, yeah, he'd rather just watch it on Fox and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, that and yeah, he was at World Cup as well. Mum, so mum and dad just try and split tournaments if they can. Because, yeah, as you know, it's just pretty hexy to mm. get to. Yeah, for sure. That's a good memory. Last one. Um, you've had to deal with a lot of adversity in your time. Like I can imagine the mind, the places your mind would go to when you're just coming back and doing an injury and doing an injury and doing an injury. You got any advice for anyone who's got a lot of adversity in their career and, and needs to kind of look through it or see the positives or overcome that adversity? Yeah, I just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. Like, I think one... Like, even... If you look at Eddie, he's... I think he's had maybe one injury in his whole whole, whole career. Like, he's just... Invincible, basically. Touch wood. Sorry, Ed. But um, yeah, you just got to be be open to that. It can happen at any time. Um, take your time to to accept it and grieve because that, that's probably the biggest thing. Like, because people just like as soon as it happens, right? Oh, what can I do to blah, like fix it? Blah, blah blah. But you need to write it. Like, it's if something's happened to you, it's probably for a reason and. Is probably trying to give feed you information that something's not right or or anything. So just listen, like listen to your body, listen to people you trust, put yourself around people you trust. Um, be honest. Like if you don't like what someone's saying, just say it. Like yeah, I don't know if that's right for me or or something like that. Um, don't go like. There's a lot of people that go internal. Like. It's it's just na- it's just natural, so that's why it's good to stick around people you trust and that know you. Because if you acted weird or abnormal, then they can sort of do something to help you. Um, and just keep sticking at it like, and set yourself goals. So just little goals at the start, tick them off. You always have failures, so don't make them too big. Um, that's what I learned probably the hard way as well. Set massive goals and not worrying about what's in in between. But um, yeah, other than that, just yeah, stay focused. Yeah, you're, you're doing something you love and for a reason. Yeah, it's not just the final outcome. You make, make like friendships throughout Australia, the world, wherever, and, and it sort of grows you into a better person. Like without hockey, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Um, and, and that's just it. So yeah, you can talk, talk heaps about it, but um, just, stay, just stay in you. And, and seek advice, I guess. So, yeah, no one's too scary to talk to. That's brilliant. Thanks, man. No, no. That'll do Pleasure. it. Get out of there. Pleasure. <laughs> That's it for another episode of The Help Side. Special thanks to my production team of David Moore and Tim Collier, plus countless others working behind the scenes to get this to you. You're the real MVPs. Again, if you're liking the show, please like, subscribe, you know the drill, and get in touch with us via our socials. We would love to hear from you. Anyway, that's all, folks. See you next week.